Today's podcast is brought to you by Company Cam. The only app every painter needs, Company Cam makes it dead simple to communicate, document, and problem solve with your crew no matter where you are. Company Cam brings documentation, communication, and liability protection together in one simple, easy to use app for you and your entire team. Take unlimited photos and videos, share custom reports, create flawless before and afters, and even communicate and share progress with homeowners, with galleries and project timelines, all from your smartphone. Company Cam, the only app every painter needs. Check it out at companycam.com slash paint radio. That's us, paint radio, companycam.com slash paint radio. Or check them out in your app store. Company Cam, the only app every painter needs. Welcome to Paint Radio with your host, Emily Howard and Andrew Dwyer. The APC Podcast, one of your favorite podcasts, easily nestled within the top 10. I'm confident that we rank in your top 10. And I thank you for that. I'm Andrew Dwyer. Emily Howard is not here because she is traveling as we speak south to Orlando FLA for the PCA convention and expo and extravaganza. It's one of the best events. And of course, we missed it last year. It's going on. I hope you're going to make your way there too. It's an excellent event. But as a result, I'm flying solo, sort of, at the controls for this podcast. We're talking sales. We're talking how to hire a new rep, how to transfer sales roles to a new rep, how to get out of sales if you don't want to be in it. Who better to discuss sales with than Carl Utter? He's president of Contractor Growth Strategy. Carl, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? Good to be back, Andrew. Good to be back. Heck yeah. So that's the topic, both how to hire and when to hire or when to recognize that you need an additional rep and how to transfer the role. Some contractors, they don't want to be the sales guy. They want to move on. They want to focus on other things, which is great. So that's the topic today. But before we get started, I mentioned, Carl, you've been on the on the podcast before but for new listeners who are unfamiliar with contractor growth strategy, tell them a bit about what you guys do. So we are primarily a sales training company for painting contractors. We run three or four different groups a week. Primarily what we do is we focus on contractors who sell at the higher end of the price point. And uh, basically what we do is we help contractors double their business, even if they're twice the price, Andrew. <laughs> I love it. And if you didn't hear the first podcast we did with Carl, that was really smack in the middle of 2021. I think it was, if it wasn't June, it was July. Talk about how and why to raise your prices. Excellent podcast. So go back and listen to that one when you're done with this one. So Carl, talking about sales, new reps. Let's start with just, you know, how other than a contractor saying, I don't want to do sales anymore. Other than that, when should all contractors be thinking of, hmm, you know, I think I need a new rep. You've got some numbers that you want to quantify that area, right? 
Yeah, so I think there's a couple things that sort of drive that decision, Andrew. One, as you so eloquently mentioned, is that they just don't want to do sales anymore. They don't like sales. They go out and they do it. They do it well because they have to do it to keep their company afloat but it's not their first love. And so they don't like it and they don't want to do it. The other reason is you get to a certain point and you ask me about numbers and you get somewhere around 1.4 to 1.6. I think that's the sweet spot for time to start bringing on a rep. I think once you get up to about a million seven in sales, at least on the residential painting side, get up to about a million seven, it's very difficult to run sales, be the president of your company, oversee operations. And there just becomes a point where there's just too much on your plate and it's not sustainable. It leads to burnout, frustration, and it becomes very difficult to kind of maintain that. So at about a million five, I think that right there, a million four to a million six, you ought to be seriously consider bringing on another rep or bringing on a rep, your first rep, if you've never hired one before. Yeah. How about for contractors who do enjoy sales, who want to continue doing sales, but they're at that point where, like you said, they want to bring on an additional rep. What are the the sensitive areas about working alongside or in tandem with a rep about maintaining this is how we do things so that you're both parallel to each other? You're, you're both speaking the same language. I love that phrase, speaking the same language. And I think it's very important that if you're the owner and you're going to stay in selling and you're going to bring on a rep, that you start to really think about the steps in your system. You should have a documented system and the system should have a series of steps. And you want to teach your people what those steps are. So what I teach is I teach owners to use what I call the apprentice program, where what it is, is that for the first week or two, the sales rep will shadow the owner. In other words, all you're going to do is you're going to ride along. You're going to sit in, you're going to watch. We're going to go out and make sales in the car, going to the next appointment. We're going to talk about what happened on that call. And that's for about the first week, 10 days. So it's a hundred percent observation. Then in week three, what you want to start doing is 75, 25, where the owner is going to present 75% of the time, but on 25% of the calls, we're going to have the new sales rep present. And then you do that for another week or two and then work it up to 50-50. So eventually over a month to six weeks, you have a completely trained rep and you're ready to turn it over and let that rep run 100% of the calls. At that point, what you want to do is once a week, twice a week is go with the rep and sit there and keep your mouth shut. I know that's going to be hard to do for most owners is to be quiet and let the rep run the call. And then after the call, debrief it with them. It's good if you have a checklist, things like that. That's a really good tool to help you really onboard a new sales rep. So are there any natural sort of off-ramps in that six-week process where it might become more evident that, you know, we're not speaking the same language or, you know, good guy, good person, but I don't know, this doesn't seem to be working out. How can a contractor best recognize that "Ah, this is not the right fit? That brings up a great point. And, you know, I know a lot of great consultants talk about the notion of you want to hire slow and fire fast. I think you got to look at the sales rep and determine, is it attitude? Is it behavior or is it a skill issue, right? If it's a skill issue, 
Skills can be taught. If it's an attitude issue, that's a whole nother ball game. That's sometimes very difficult to turn around somebody with a, with a bad attitude. I do think a lot of owners get impatient because it comes to them naturally, or they've been doing it for 10 years, Andrew, and they do it so well that they don't even know how they do it, right? Like call that unconscious competence, right? You, you don't know what you know anymore. And then somebody else comes on as brand new and owners can get impatient sometimes. It takes a good six to nine months to really know whether or not you've got the right estimator. Unless, of course, you've done some sort of uh, profiling, which you and I talked about. And I'm just a big believer in doing some kind of sales profiling and making that a, a very important part of the hiring process. And going back to something you said previously, just in this podcast, is as you're bringing on the new sales rep, the estimator, you can't just be winging it from the hip. You've got to have a process for your sake, but also for the new individual's sake so that you can point to the process. This, I don't just have a gut feeling that you're not doing it right. Here's the process. Otherwise, it's just, it's, it's unfair. No one's going to be able to match what's in your head. You've got to document it. Do you want to go into any more detail? Are there any uh, resources at contractorgrowthstrategy.com that might help contractors write down that process? Yeah, well, I actually have two and uh, I'll make them both available to anyone that listens to this. I'll give you my email address. If you email me, I'll send you off a copy of this, but I have two. I have one, it's called the sales process and it's a spreadsheet goes across, it has, you know, steps of the system, and then it has the KPIs for each step, and then uh, what the objective is, and then what tools and, and what uh, actions do you need to take within each step. And that's sign of the kind of thing where you can kind of get that out of your head and onto paper. I also have a sales checklist. I think that is actually still on my website from our last podcast. I believe we offered a checklist as a I believe a so, yes. Thank you. Yeah. But yep. if uh sales process or sales checklist, if you email me, Carl at contractorgrowstrategy.info, just put in the subject line sales process or sales checklist, I'll get that out to you. But those are good tools to kind of help you see your way through or to kind of see what a system would look like in a very linear fashion. Nice. Carl, if, if you're a contractor, and you want to get out of sales. And so you're looking to bring on a new rep who's going to take over sales as opposed to an additional rep. This is a replacement rep. They're taking over total control over sales and estimating from you, the contractor. Are there any caveats or cautions um, best practices that you would suggest the painting contractor follow? Yeah, that's a great question, Andrew. And I think it really comes down to trust, trust mm -hmm. what you see, trust what you hear. I'm a big believer in the management philosophy. You inspect what you expect. And if you expect something, make sure you're inspecting that. So once you brought somebody on and you've trained them, make sure that you're getting out and riding with them, you know, spending time with them, even though you're stepping out, make sure that they're still doing things the right way. 
As soon as the manager goes away, the owner goes away, bad habits can very easily creep in. And before you know it, you got a rep who you had trained really well, and they've got all these bad habits, and you're missing that for six months because you haven't been out to see what they're doing. So I think one of the most important things you can do is ride with them and coach them on a weekly basis, at least once a week, if not more. So that's really, really important. That makes a lot of sense. Um, How about on the other side, if you're bringing on an additional rep, do you have any strategies or thoughts as far as which accounts or, or how to divvy up the accounts or the sales or the territory that the new rep is going to do versus what the contractor is going to retain? So if we're talking accounts, we're probably talking commercial painting and commercial painting is sometimes I see where the estimator is solely responsible for sales. Oftentimes, the estimator is responsible for sales and project management. So it really depends on which model you're using. So you want to give them accounts, but I would give them not your best accounts, right? Because that means you're pulling a relationship away from your better accounts. But I would give them good accounts that have potential, right? You've got great accounts. You've got good accounts that they're just never going to do anything more than what they're doing, right? They throw you a few projects a year and that's always going to be it. But you also have good accounts that if we paid attention to them, we could really grow these accounts. Maybe we can grow it into a C or B or an A account, right? If it had the right attention. So I would say, give them some accounts they could grow. And that's really the true test of whether or not a commercial estimator is really, you know, doing their job, right? Are they getting in front of their customers, right? Are they getting out of the office or they just sit around doing takeoffs, right? If that's all they do is takeoffs and they're cranking estimates out the door and proposals out the door, you know, that's not sales, right? But can you get out and get in front of your customer, build relationships, learn to sell in the gap. One of the things I teach Andrew On the commercial side is what I call gap selling. And the only time a a GC will ever see a subcontractor is when there's a project that's being bought out. Then everybody's pouncing on that GC. Everybody's after that account, right? Because there's business to be had. It's like a bunch of hyenas tearing a hide (laughs) apart, you know, on the Serengeti. But, you know, in between projects, nobody's talking to that contractor. And that's the perfect time to get in the door and really start to establish your value and your differentiators. And we call that gap selling. So if I can get my estimators doing that, they're going to grow those accounts if they do those things. I love it. And if you want to hear more about Carl's theories on gap selling, definitely listen to uh, the previous podcast we did. Again, that was in June or July of uh, of last year of 2021. Let's talk numbers, Carl. Are there any metrics that the contractor should pay attention to like close percentages or something as they're training and onboarding this new sales rep? Absolutely, cuz the higher your close percentage is, the lower your lead cost is going to be. And I like numbers. This is my favorite kind of math, Andrew. I call this money. <laughs> I call this money math. Money math. <laughs> Money math. It's the only math I could ever figure out, you know, Um, haven't been able to solve for X in 20 years, but money math I'm good at. Um, So, yeah. So uh, it's funny. I just had a, uh, I just had a meeting with four estimators today where I'm their surrogate sales manager. And uh, the first of the month we meet and, you know, the first thing we go over, okay, 
what's your goal for the month, right? So let's say your goal was 150. You know, what was your sales? Okay, 137. All right. How many estimates did you run? How many did you close? What was your close percentage? And what was your average sale? So obviously you want to look at sales. You want to look at sales in relationship to what their goal is. They should always have a goal. That goal should be clearly established. We want to look at how many estimates are they running? How many estimates are they doing? How many are they closing? And what's that close percentage? Uh, And I see the close percentages run on untrained estimators. You know, when I first get into a company and they don't have any real sales systems and process in place, I'll see close percentages around 28 to 32%. As they go through training, that comes up where within, you know, a year later, they'll be up around between 43 and 50%. So, and then the other number is your numbers for the year. I think a painting estimator should be able to do between 800 and a million the first year. If you can get them up to a million two, that's great million five the second year. And that's on the residential side. On the commercial side, that's a much different animal because your average sales are so much higher. That makes a lot of sense. So a huge part, in my opinion, which is obvious, and most of my opinions are obvious, when you're the owner of a business, man, you've you've got to be good. You've got to be humble. You have to understand what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. You have to understand where you struggle and you have to be able to ask for help. There's no nobility in being a martyr. You're not doing anybody any favors. So how does a contractor know or what are some signs that a contractor, because some contractors can can bring on a new rep and they, they're excellent at training and they're patient and they're effective communicators and they can inspire people and they're great at this. And then others are not. So Any advice, Carl, on how to know which one you are, when to think, huh, maybe I should get some help here on the sales training thing? Well, now you're now you're speaking to my passion, my love, my uh, I believe that's what I probably was put on this earth to do is sales training. So and it's funny, not everybody that wants sales training should invest in sales training. And one of the things I generally insist upon before I do any training at all is I want to do some assessing because what I want to know is if we're going to make an investment into this person, what's their growth potential? Do they have the ability to grow? Well, we measure growth potential by we take the weaknesses of the rep and the weaknesses times desire equals growth potential. So if you don't have many weaknesses, you're not going to have much growth potential and probably not the kind of person you'd want to make that kind of investment in. But when you have a lot of weaknesses and no desire, right, that's going to cost you more than the person would ever be worth. But where we want to see is we want to see people who have weaknesses, yet they have desire to learn and grow. So one of the first things we insist upon is assessing and profiling, coming up with a profile to see, is it within their DNA to be an A player? So that's one of the first things. The other thing is 
I believe selling painting, you don't need sales training to sell painting services. You need sales training to sell painting services at higher price points, Andrew. Mm -hmm. Meaning if you're out there and you're middle of the pack, you're going to get your one third of the sales anyways, right? I mean, you show up, you leave a quote, you have a reasonable number, you don't make a bad impression on the homeowner. You're going to get your share of those sales without having to invest in sales training. But I'm going out and I'm working with guys that are coming back and telling me, yeah, you know, I, I did a bid this week and I was 28,000. The second highest bid was 25,000 and the lowest bid was 18,000. And they have to be able to help the homeowner understand what value they're going to get for the difference in money. And more importantly is, is that customer ever going to spend that kind of money? Because a lot of times price is an issue. So learning how to qualify better, ask better questions, and then building that into a system where they can systematically go out and sell. So sales training is great if you're a contractor and you have estimators, you have new estimators that don't have a lot of bad habits yet uh, that you think have a really high potential. Also, if you don't have the time, a lot of times I get owners call me, want me to train their people because they just don't have the time to do it. And they know my reputation. They kind of know that it's out there. They know it's an investment. And they know they're going to get a pretty good return on their investment as well. And they want to get their people up to speed quicker. I always say, if you leave a guy out there for five years with half a brain, they're going to figure this stuff out anyway through trial and error. But if you want to circumvent all that frustration, get them up to speed quicker, training can be a really, really good investment, you know, if they have growth potential. Carl, my man, <laughs> the right guy for the show. I love it. That is fabulous information. Awesome to have you back on the podcast we appreciate you uh agreeing to do it on short notice and agreeing to do it even though you knew emily wouldn't be here that is kindness right there carl well we like it we are a fan of emily's but who is it andrew (laughs) exactly that's what i'm saying and you know she's not here so you came anyway so i appreciate that but take carl up on his offer by the way carl with a c shoot him an email he'll send you the sales process and the sales checklist, two separate documents. His email again, Carl with a C at contractorgrowthstrategy.info. Did I get that right? You hit it right on Uh, as usual. (laughs) (laughs) And his website is contractorgrowthstrategy.com. A ton of great resources. Carl, thanks for being on the show, man. Good. And, uh, We have a book coming out next month, so maybe I'll get invited back to talk about that. What's the book about? Painter's Contractor's Guide to How to Double Your Sales, Even If You're Twice the Price. Hello. You already got the title. Yes. Starting with the title. Right. Exactly. Well, (laughs) heck yeah, man. I'm... uh... Don't wait to the end to tell me about your new book. I'm I'm so sorry I didn't know about. Well, I'm that. saving that's, that for our invite me back uh, offer. Well, that's uh, we're gonna get that on the calendar right now. Thank you, sir. Looking forward to that. Bet you. Contractorgrowthstrategy.com, everybody. And if you're looking for more resources from APC, you know the website paintmag.com. Our 99th year, and yes, you know we're planning the centennial celebration. It's going to be an epic blowout get ready for it 
Thanks for listening to Paint Radio, everybody.